and pray with me and all my whew, all my blessings is gone out the door. She was with the last one. Well, I got one more left. I guess you're right. I'm gonna have to start uh, uh, uh I start having to be the prayer warrior now. Yep. Yeah. So let's uh so I'm gonna talk about this so while we're here. Let's just everything, right? Yes. We're on, so we'll be right back on 30 seconds and we're ready to choke it. Yes, welcome to Knowledge of Talk Podcast Live. Before I introduce uh, our guest, I just want to kind of talk about a little bit what's going on here at the community. Uh, calling out PSA. We do this free for those in the community. The first, let me go and post this up right quick. And that would be the first annual scholarship golf tournament. That's going to be Saturday, April 9th. Uh, and the no, I no, guess the is with the I'm hearing an echo, okay? Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't know where that came from. So, anyway, the at the Humburg's uh golf course and it's sponsored uh, right there on Babes and Harris Drive, it is sponsored by the uh, who, who sponsored this 100 Black Men. 100 Black Men, great, great. Mm-hmm. The reg- pre registration before March 19th, that was yesterday. Uh, was 65 per person, uh, per team, uh, and six to six to 206 bucks per team. And register after March 19th is uh, per person $75 and uh, $300 per team. Uh, let's, let's get involved, people, and, and help our local uh, uh, community, uh, those who work in the background, helping us in the community. Uh, now, the Democratic Convention was Saturday. I missed that, so we don't have to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Friday, on next Saturday, uh, the 100-plus Black Women Coalition of Beaumont, uh, the 16th Annual Black, Red, and Green Banquet would be at 7 o'clock uh, at, the, at, the, at the MCM Elegante Hotel right here in Beaumont. It's a semi-formal coat and tie where Black, Red, are green if possible. With that, uh, let's get that out the way. And uh, so let's now let me introduce you to our guest. Our guest tonight is going to be Mrs. Kimberly Parks. Kimberly is the RN uh, at uh, Harbor's, Harbor, Hot, Harbor Hospice. Okay. And she's going to be joining us because we're going to talk about a subject that I'm not aware of or not unaware of, but I have questions about it. I always want to know about hospice. Uh, I didn't know what hospice, all I knew, we, that's where you go to die, at hospice. But uh, now that I found out, it's much different and uh, than what I always thought it was. So this is why we want to bring uh, Ms. Kimberly on today. So we need to know how to handle our elderly, you know, uh, that's uh, not just elderly, those who need hospice. Uh, I mean, I, I need to know how to how to prepare because my parents are older now and I'm, I know they're, they're in the fourth quarter and I need to know what to do with them and how it's done. So let's bring on, before that, oh, wait a minute, Kim. I'm sorry. My co-host, Francis Larkin, 
Patricia Primo and Terry Roy. Terry Roy is going to be the yeah Terry Roy is going to be the lead host tonight. So I'm going right. to turn it. I'm going to turn it over to Hello, Mr. Perry Roy. Hello, welcome everybody. Uh, thank you, Tony, for letting us uh, use this platform to get out the uh, the information, the misconceptions, and the truth about hospice. And I'm glad uh, Kim was able to come on tonight because she's she's a very busy person. So nice <laughs> <laughs> to invite. <laughs> I'd like for her to come on and just you know and and tell everybody what hospice really is, what they really do, what she does, and how everybody can be prepared. So Kim, yes. it's it's on you. It's on okay. you, Kim. Let me put you on the center for here. There we go, Kim. There we go. Hi, <laughs> nice meeting everyone. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, so I've been doing hospice for 15 years now, and I have heard many stories about hospice. Uh, when families hear of the word hospice, they say, oh, that's where they go to die. Oh, that's where y'all go give them morphine and put them to sleep. But no, that is not the case. Um, so I just uh, kind of highlighted a few things to tell you all about hospice so that you can be more aware of what hospice is, what it's used for, what our purpose is, and you know, just go from there to, um, so you can have a better insight of what hospice is and what we do. So what is hospice? Hospice is very unique. Not everyone can do hospice. Um, you know, it's designed to provide comfort and support to the patients and to their families when their illness no longer responds to treatment. So what that means, um, and I explain this to families all the time, you know, you send your loved one to the hospital so the doctor can do everything that they possibly can for your loved ones. Once they get to that point to where they can't do anything no more, they're just pretty much putting a Band-Aid on your symptoms, that's when they pretty much refer you to hospice. So with that being said, you have uh, a terminal diagnosis of six months or less to live. So not everyone qualifies for hospice. Uh, some people think, oh, I'm old, I'm about to die, so put me on hospice. But you have to have a terminal diagnosis um, that uh, uh, support that uh, need for hospice care. Um, so once that patient is diagnosed um, with a terminal illness of six months or less, um, you know, that course, it impacts the whole family. So not just the patient, the family then, you know, think about, oh, what are we going to do from here? Uh, the doctor says nothing else that can be done. So what can I do to take care of my mom, take care of my dad, or, you know, to help them live a longer life? Um, of course, we all are here to die. You know, some people hate to hear that, but I mean, we're all going to die someday. Um, so that's when we step in, you know, so we can provide, we provide spiritual support, emotional support, physical support, and it allows the patient to die in peace and comfort. And, you know, they can die at home or wherever they choose to reside in a nursing home. And the real good perk about um, Harbor Hospice is we have a hospital, uh, inpatient facility. So that pretty much um, takes the presence over every hospice uh company um, that you can think of um, that way you can come in and you can uh, get taken care of inpatient and die inpatient because some families don't want their loved ones to die at home they can't live in a house once someone dies so sometimes you know that is that extra um, place that that special place that they can come to um, and get and still be surrounded by their loved ones so um, 
our house hospice team, you know, we, we're available 24 hours, seven days a week. And it uh, consists of a physician, a nurse. You have an aide, a, a CNA, what most people uh, are called, social workers, spiritual counselors, and we also have volunteers. So the physician's uh, role is to pretty much just overall, see the overall care of the patient. You know, they uh, write out a plan of care. Um, a patient may come in for pain, so they'll put a regimen in place to control that pain. And of course, so the nurse will carry out that duty as far as um, giving the patient what they need to help uh, relieve that pain or if they're having nausea or shortness of breath, uh, we treat, you know, those types of symptoms. And of course, the aid is to make sure, you know, they, they're getting taken care of, being fed, getting bathed, grooming. Um, you know, if they're in our facility, if they're at home, they go out to the house and um, take care of that patient in the house. They don't sit there or stay, but they, you know, they'll go out there and treat the patient as far as bathing, um, helping their families, uh, educating them on how to take care of them when they are away from the house. Um, some of the focus of hospice, what our focus is of, you know, caring, we're caring for the patient, not caring the patient. Because um, a lot of times when they're inpatient, the families get asked, hey, you know, can y'all give blood? You know, can y'all do surgery? Can y'all, they ask all types of questions that you can never imagine. And, uh, but no, you know, we just tell them we're just here to provide relief from their symptoms. Um, we're also um, there to support the families and to um, provide the patient with a um, with dignity and respect, you know, while they're suffering through um, their symptoms. Um, the goal of care is to improve the quality of the patient's last days by offering comfort and dignity. Um, so, some of the criteria, like I said, um, everyone does not qualify for hospice. Um, it's not for everyone. Like I said, you have to just, you have to have that terminal diagnosis of six months or less, less to live. And then, um, you're also desiring hospice care and you're not long, no longer, um, wanting to seek aggressive treatment. So let's say you're a cancer patient or you have a family that's, um, had cancer and they're getting chemo and radiation. We do not provide any of those things. Um, so once, you know, we do encourage, if that's what you want, by all means, go, you know, get that chemo, go get your radiation. And then once you feel like you're at the end to where it's not doing anything to help you anymore, that's when you come to us. And then we, you know, take over and provide uh, the symptoms, the residual that uh, the chemo and the radiation left, um, you know, or like your COPD, the shortness of breath is what we control um just you know various symptoms that you may experience and it's uncontrollable you know you come inpatient to get treatment um and then you don't have to come inpatient some families and um patients they rather go home to a familiar environment to where you know they're comfortable there they can lay on their own bed they can have whoever they want you know surrounded by them um and you know the nurse will go out to the house but they go out once a week um, you have the A's go out there at least five times a week. You have a spiritual counselor go out there uh, once a month. And then the social worker also will visit and check on you once a month as well. Uh, just make sure all your needs are being met. Making sure you're not um, in a crisis is what we call those symptom management. Um, 
And then we also have different levels of care. So those different levels of care includes like routine home care. That's when you're at home. Those are the most common um, admissions that we do get. And then we also have the general inpatient. And that's when you come into the building, the facility, because you have a crisis that needs to be managed with IV medications, uh, breathing treatments, or, you know, trait care, G2 management. We do it all. Um, and then also, if you're too sick to be um, sent home or too sick to come to our inpatient facility, we do manage your care in the hospital. And then we also have a respite care. That's another part of um, being on hospice is that, uh, you know, the caregiver is the primary, um, the family member, you choose a family member who is a, a primary caregiver for that patient. And sometimes they have to go out of town or sometimes they just need a break. They're overwhelmed. They're tired. So they'll send them in to our inpatient unit. We do like five days a month. Um, just to give the caregiver a break. So we call that pretty much like a caregiver breakdown. So not only are we there for the patient, we're also there for the family as well to kind of relieve them, encourage them, educate them, and just kind of uh, relieve some of their burdens as well because they do still have families to take care of as well. Um, so pretty much how hospice work, uh, just to sum up everything, you know, typically, like I said, uh, the family member is the primary caregiver. Um, and then when it's appropriate um, for that patient to uh, switch over, transition to hospice, you know, we help them make that uh, decision, you know, hey, you know, your family is approved to come on to hospice services. And then we just pretty much sit down with the family, go over what we provide and, um, the services that's rendered um and we just go from there you know then they choose if they want our service or if they don't want hospice at all or if they want other services we don't persuade them either way we just give them their options and we just go from there okay all right uh just like you you know i've been doing it for a minute and uh how do you uh when you go home how do you get that off of your mind and then, and like some of your coworkers, what are some of the things that they do to to get get it away from them? Well, and that is a good question because even you know myself, sometimes I deal with you know the struggle of just sometimes we just get attached to the patients. Uh, we think about them throughout the day, throughout the week. Just sometimes you know they're suffering, and you know we've done our best to try to alleviate some of their pain and. Um, nausea, vomiting, um, but it gets hard sometimes. So we just kind of de-stress. Uh, the off time does help when they're able to take their days off, their vacations, you know, we do encourage them to take vacations. Um, sometimes in the facility, we do have like one of our spiritual counselor would come and do like the um, blessing of the hands, kind of uh, like a thing where you just come and give us a little soft lotion and pray for our hands, um, like a hand of healing, pretty much. Yeah, I think we need that yes. where I'm at too, so. Yes. Because you know, that. we go into the different homes and mm -hmm. it's some stuff you don't, you know. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yes. <laughs> you so, may tell them to come and see us too, so. Right. <laughs> and overall, I just believe in taking vacations. <laughs> so what? I'm sorry. What does um what is available for families who are who have somebody in hospice and it's not going the way that you're describing? Are there people that can be reached out to to, to help with that or? 
Yes, we get our spiritual counselor involved because they are really good. We have a great team for spiritual counselors. Um, and a lot of them have also been doing it for a long time. So they just have that wording. They'll pray, um, you know, read a scripture. Um, and then also we um, have like volunteers. They'll come and just kind of, you know, give them words of encouragement um, and just let them know that they're there for them. They offer um, emotional support as well just sitting there listening to them talk, um, you know, just getting off, you know, just talking about their burdens that they may have or their difficulties they may have, because like I said, they do also have other families that they have to take care of and then worry about their sick loved one as well. What about families who have a hospice care facility that's not doing what you explained, that, that isn't providing the things that are needed like you've described? Well, the other, you're talking about the other hospice services? The yes. Other hospice Is companies? there somebody that can be reached out to when that happens, if it happens? Yes. Now, um, some most some other companies, they do have, which one thing I didn't mention, I uh, failed to mention, was the continuous care. So we do have some um, companies, which we've done it before in the past. Um, you can go sit out at the house with the families, um, with the patient. Um, but it's not, it's not around the clock. It's uh, maybe eight hours in a 24-hour period. Um, some are contracted with nursing facilities where they can send their loved ones to that nursing facility and have a nurse uh, there to take care of that patient. But um, with our facility, with the inpatient unit, uh, like I also explained to the families, um, instead of going to the emergency room, um, they come to us. And um, so we're pretty much like a crisis center. And then we have a physician that's either on site or can be reached by phone to get uh, care started right away. I'm not sure if I answered your question. It, it just, I don't want to go too deep into it, but I was recently, a friend of mine was on hospice and it wasn't as you're describing. Okay. The, 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 the company that we, they had coming in wasn't taken care of like you've explained. So if that should happen to somebody is there somebody they can reach out to to get help with that so what um some of the families will do they'll just call that hospice um service and that they're with and tell them that they don't want their service anymore or um they can reach out to us and say hey you know i'm on this service now i want to come on to harbor hospice uh what can i do and we'll also we have a um uh, clinical liaison, reach out to them right away. We've also had some that just, because their symptoms were so bad in the home, they went to the hospital and then from there they seeked um, our uh, services through us. Okay. And we just pretty much, they're just a phone call away. You just call that number, call hospice and say, hey, I want hospice for my mom, for my dad, for my family member, and we, we jump right on it. Um, our process is a two hour window process. Um, and that's pretty much how long it takes from the start of a referral to looking at getting records requested, looking at the records and deciding if that uh, patient is appropriate for hospice and then either admitting them home with our hospice care or inpatient with our hospice care. Okay. Now, Tricia, like you, um, I had a similar experience. Now, uh, my grandmother transitioned in October and bef right before her transition, maybe September, she was placed in hospice. Mm -hmm. Now, um, from what was, you know, 
I guess, described to her caretaker about hospice was not delivered. Right. A lot of those services, because I actually tried to convince her caretaker to, hey, put them in hospice because they don't just, you know, give them morphine, put them to sleep and make them, you know, comfortable right before passing. There are other services that are offered, you know, for some type of quality of life before. But where our disappointment came in is that, um, while she was on hospice, she um, was suffering from some stomach issues, some stomach pains. And as a family, we just felt that she wasn't um, given the proper treatment. It was right. as if like, we're promising you these things, but they didn't deliver. So, you know, when they came out and they gave her the, I, I hate to say spill on hospice in their program and selling their business, it wasn't um, really described as far as her medication goes. They were all wrong. They were all incorrect. And during those times, it's like, okay, this, you know, we, we're just trying to get our minds right because now we put our loved one on hospice. So we understand yes. that there's more services, but ideally your mind is that this is their last phase. As Tony mentioned earlier, their fourth quarter. So It's, it's, it's also how, hard because it, the, the hospice care that came out to the house for him they wrote the prescription, but they did not administer the meds. So exactly. I'm watching as these children, his children, are having to give him his final meds. And he's exactly. begging for more. He's in pain. It was horrific. And they didn't come right. out until an hour and a half after he passed away. Right. And so our experiences may not have been as good as we had hoped right. for, you know. Um, so right. how do, you know, those problems be corrected from the person that goes out and sells the services of the hospice? Um, company to that caretaker to make them really understand because yes there was supposed to be someone that came out yes there was supposed to be that person that you know that kind of like assisted even the caretaker but it wasn't delivered how can um how can we alleviate that from you know moving forward if we do have another loved one how can we trust hospice again to deliver those things okay so once they sign on to service let's say they do go home once they get home, they are to call and let our um, um, hospice know that, hey, you know, my family is home. We're ready for admission. Um, so then the nurse will go out to the home. Um, they assess the patient. They will meet with the family, educate the family on what we provide, what options we have available when needed, and then also go over the medications and how to administer the medicine. So, you know, once since you are at home, since that patient is at home, the family will be the one to administer that medicine. But of course, it's up to the nurses to um, go over the medicine, have it written down uh, on paper in black and white. These are this is how to administer the medicine. This is when to administer the medicine um and then if it's not working call me and uh i can troubleshoot you over the phone and if that's not working then that's why we have the inpatient facility we'll send you in patient and then let the nurse you know a professional team um help um take over from there so kim so kimberly what you're saying is send all of our loved ones to harbor hospice because you guys are going to do and deliver what you said you're going to do and deliver Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> yes. I just want to say, hey, Kim. Hi, Chris. How are you? Awesome classmate. Good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> yes, okay. indeed. Uh, what, are, what are some of the questions that uh, a family should ask hospice when they're getting ready to uh, admit them? And, you know, some of the main questions. So, um, and 
our families sometimes do ask a lot of questions um, yes, and, yes, they and, do. They, and they should because the ones that don't, you know, they are, okay, let me just back up. They ask a lot of questions and sometimes they don't hear everything because it's just so much and it's overwhelming. Um, so we always tell them, hey, ask that question again, write it down. But uh, some of the questions that they should ask is, um, you know, the nurse, when they um, get admitted, if they're going home, when will the nurse be out here? How often will the nurse be out here? And how often can I call the nurse? So we're available 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, so no matter what time of the day or night, call us, uh, we'll be available. Um, and then also um, the, like the type of services that we provide. Um, so we do provide, you know, pretty much crisis management, um, symptom relief. Uh, we do have restorative care. I forgot to mention that because uh, a lot of um, families do ask about physical therapy. It's not that aggressive physical therapy, but it's just to kind of help maintain where their baseline is. If they can get up and sit in a chair, we want to continue that. Um, you know, so instead of just laying down in a bed all day and you know, and all night, 24 hours. Uh, we do try to promote um, your optimal level of care of where you were or where you're at, you know, from the time you get admitted to the hospital until the time you come on to the um, hospice service. Um, you have a physician, uh, you know, you want to ask how often can you see the physician? I'm not sure how often they make home visits, but inpatient, I know you'll see the doctor every day, Monday through Friday, um, and then a nurse, nurse practitioner on a weekend. Um, you want to ask about medications as far as their medications that they were on before um, they got on hospice service because sometimes they do not ask those questions. And um, the doctor, of course, we're all about comfort. So we're going to do comfort meds, medications. And then five days later, they say, oh, hey, my grandmother was on blood pressure medicine. I want her to continue that. You know, so you know, we just, it's just standing in communication is the number one key, just communication about everything that you can possibly think of, questions you can possibly think of, just make sure you're asking those questions, uh, being involved. I always try to encourage my team to keep the families involved, call them, let them know what's going on with their family member. If there's any new orders, let them know. If there's any uh, changes in their patients, in the patient status, call the family, let them know, because sometimes they're not aware that, you know, they're at that very end. Because we do have some patients that go home, you know, they go home, they um, go to the nursing home, um, you know, they don't just stay inpatient. That's another question that needs to be answered. Uh, they think I was going to ask that question. Well, yeah. uh, before you ask that question, I, I'm going to go to the uh, comment board. And I think that question is right here. So I want, want to know uh, in the healthcare field, I have seen where families have initiated hospice, then decide later that they don't want it anymore. What reasons could they be removed from hospice? If they just don't want it anymore, and that's reason in itself. I don't want hospice no more. I want to do this on my own. I want to do this my way, or I want to go back to the hospital and seek aggressive treatment. And then by all means, we let them, you know, do whatever they feel they need to do for their loved one. And then we just encourage them that, hey, you know, once you've exhausted all your possibilities, you are welcome to come back to our services because sometimes families just feels like, you know, they, they want to feel like they've done everything that they possibly could can before they sign up for hospice. Um, 
some leave and go to other companies just because they either know somebody or and sometimes you know they just feels like they can get more better services from you know somewhere else but i always say when you leave you gonna you coming back <laughs> <laughs> so that's a Kim, fact <laughs> I, my, I guess my question is how is like once a patient uh goes into i guess hospice care do they ever come out of hospice care? I mean, like, like, is it a, I know I heard you say you do wound care and a, a lot of different services that uh, Harbor uh, Hospice offers. And I, I know about Harbor Hospice. Um, I'm, I will say the, the team, the new team is phenomenal. Um, um, yeah, it, it took some getting some tweaks out, but Y'all are phenomenal, and I, I definitely uh, adore people that, you know, not only take care of older people, but take care of people um, at, at that particular time in their lives. Yes. Um, so, and it's a very complicated, you know, it's very complicated, but I, I just wanted to know how often, and because like, you know, uh, Francis mentioned, we all, we, when we hear hospice, we, oh, that's the end of it, you know, mm -hmm. and get ready, start preparing for the end or whatnot. Yeah, that's great. But I like, mm -hmm. but like, um, is that is that the case in every instance, or with the and, services that y'all offer, do y'all, you know, release patients back into their home to you know live a little bit more productive life? I guess. Yes, because um, we have had some patients that signed up for hospice and um, they've been on there um, for a year or even longer. And we say, OK, you know, you're not there yet. So we're going to discharge you off of our service mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, you still have more life to live. Um, awesome. So, yeah, we have done that several times. And then some um, we discharge some just because they're not appropriate, because we do have, you know, believe it or not, you know, we do have some patients that pretty much look at us as their last option for uh, pain management, pretty much like uses for pain management. And, oh, you know, wow. so we have to tell them that this is not what we're here for. You know, we're here for your last, you know, six months or less uh, years, uh, months on on earth. Sorry. Uh, we have some young um, patients as well. You know, the youngest, I mean, we have PD patients we've had on hospice. We have two on hospice now. Um, so, I mean, we take them from, we just had a baby, um, was like a few days old that we took, um, and she passed maybe not even a week on our service. So we take them from the very young to the very old. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also had some experience with at least two of my family members. Um, they were very much hospice appropriate, but they weren't ready for hospice. Mm -hmm. Um, one had cancer well both of them had cancer and they still wanted to seek that aggressive treatment and um because you know my family member was young he was in his 30s and his parents were like no i'm not giving up i'm not you know i'm not doing yeah. it. I'm, I'm taking them to md anderson i'm taking them to um cancer they, of america yes yeah. and they did all of that to the very end and as much as i want to say he need hospice let us take care of him they were not going to, they did not want to hear that. So, you know, you just have to, to, you know, give the families that choice to decide right. which route they want to take as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Another another question people always ask is about uh, how do they pay for hospice? Is that something you can maybe give somebody some information on? Yeah. So a lot of our patients are um, have Medicare. So we do take uh, it's, it's Medicare. Uh, we do take um, patients with Medicaid, um, private insurance, and sometimes we do take charity patients. You know, they don't have any source of income at all, just to kind of you know help the family out sometimes. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you said private insurance. Now, is that a clause in most private insurances that you have to have, I guess, like hospice care coverage well, or something? The most, um, the issue that comes with the insurance is, if, is placement issues. Um, so, you know, as far as, you know, once they come inpatient and let's say they stabilize and they can go home to a home setting, or, you know, to a nursing home, um, those are, that's usually when our insurance does um, become a problem because they only, nursing home only takes Medicaid patients. So, and then, you know, of course we get all the Medicare patients and then their family can't take care of them in the home. So then we pretty much, you know, get not really stuck with them, but they end up staying with us for a longer period of time um, because there's no one to take care of them at home. And, um, Financially, they're not um, able to go to a nursing home. Nursing home, yeah, okay. Now, our facility is not a long-term uh, facility. That's another um, thing that get misconstrued. Um, a lot of families, you know, send their family there. Like, yeah, we want hospice. They come to us, and then they'll say, oh, you know, then we start discharge planning, and say, oh no, I thought they were gonna stay there forever. I thought they were gonna stay there till they die, and you know. So uh, we are a short term just to get their symptoms under control. And then we do start looking at uh, discharge planning if they're, you know, leaning towards that route. Um, they, a lot of families ask us how many days. It's a day by day case, um, depending on the patient. But usually um, it's been shortened because of the Medicare guidelines. Um, they like to have you there no longer than seven days. But of course, if you're still in a crisis, we can't say okay you gotta go because you know we're still treating that crisis um but there's just something to think about as well what about other options once they come to hospice if they're yeah. not you know at that point to where they are at that very end of life awesome that is awesome um anyone else has a want to ask that question i want to ask uh you know even after the patient passes what uh what uh what all does harvard do after uh, the patient passes so after the patient passes, we do have a bereavement team um they will be reaching out to the families uh for 13 months after the patient passed they'll do phone calls um they'll do visits we've even had some um of our spiritual counselor asked get asked to do their uh, funeral services um so they're there for any type of bereavement that the um families may need for the next 13 months after that I think that's, especially with the, you know, the, the bereavement support, I think that's phenomenal uh, because, you know, most, even facilities like, you know, nursing homes after, you know, after they pass, you'll probably get a flower at the, you know, the repast or something like that uh, showed the facility. Um, but like, as far as like, you said 13 months of bereavement 
care you know what i'm saying and um that's for the family and you know we all you know we all mourn differently and bereave in different types of ways so i think that by itself uh for the you know for the families um is is you know a step up because you know again it may be a you know it may be a little harder for me to deal with you know auntie than it was with grandma or something like that you know what i'm saying so i think that's i think that's phenomenal that y'all do that you know um harbor hospice offers that that care yes they stay in touch and they get attached to them sometimes too to where they want to know how they're doing after you know after the fact and just Mm. uh, sometimes they just call and talk to them just have a conversation you know um, I have to call several families and they just sat there and just wanted to um, express and explain and talk about the memories that they had. And I just sat there and listened to them. That's all they wanted. Yep. That's all they need. Just to, yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad that we invited you. Um, it, it, it means so much to not just me, for everyone. We have loved ones, family members that we care for and care about and we get to a point where we kind of at that at that moment you can't think what to do next but you right. want the best care for your for your family member or loved one and i wanted to know what was the steps uh what should i do um, because not only me again not only me is going to go through this but that's going to be a <laughs> i everyone's going to go through it yes you know and um as time come by and also would you also tell me it doesn't have to be an elderly person to be right. in a hospice, right? Right. It can be from birth on till we had from birth till well, the oldest we've had was 104, and the youngest we've had was a few days old. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow, that's something. Now, I too, I too want to tell you, uh, Kim. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show, especially my stumping grounds. Um, I, I definitely appreciate the information that you have given because, again, when we hear hospice, we only think that, you know, like you said, that they're, y'all going to let them lay there and they eventually they're going to wither away. And that's what, you know, that's the, the mindset that we, you know, right. a lot of us yes. have collected. Right. Um, you know, when it comes to hospice. Um, so, again, I thank you for sharing that and enlightening, enlightening me about it because you know um like like you know like tony said if you're gonna we all have to make these plannings uh and to to be informed um to make these plannings is you know is i know the sole purpose that that tony uh put this this show together tonight yeah i wanted to make sure that we have you know you got an understanding on preparation yeah that's the part preparing for it uh, and, and, and don't wait till they get to that age or that time. Start preparing just like you're preparing for a funeral. Uh, right. But that's, that's prepare what to do next. You know, my, my mother back about three months, seven months ago, um, uh, uh, developed dementia. And um, she um, accidentally fell and broke her hip. Mm-hmm. And um, But her mind was still right, you know, and and I we put her in the hospital and she had to have surgery from surgery. I moved her from surgery to therapy uh, rehab because I knew if I had brought her home. 
right after the hospital stay and surgery, she would never walk again. So we put it in a um, 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 therapy, and today's therapist coming in three days a, a, a week. And she's at that fragile age, and her body is fragile. And we're at that point, so okay, now she still has a right mind. You do, even though she has dementia, and it's, and it's, it, and it's increasing. You know, I, I want to know what to do, uh, how to prepare myself when that time comes, because I know that time is coming. Right. And you have answered some of the, the, the questions that I had in mind. I thank you, Terry, also for uh, inviting um, Kimberly uh, Parks to our, our podcast. Yeah, because not Jaguar. Not Jaguar, central But not only me, but all of us need to know how to prepare for our, our loved ones. Right. Yeah. I think the most crucial part on, on the hospice is the part that I like the most is the uh, respite care that they offer. Yes. Because you wouldn't believe the toll it takes on families when they're trying mm -hmm. to keep sure somebody does. at home. Yes. And, and when you can get somebody to come in and take your family member and give them great care because, you know, mm -hmm. not only because I'm affiliated with Harvard, but, you know, they're, they're the best. Right. Yeah. You know, that's a fact. But the respite care, it's, yes. you know, it well, helps. Can I ask where, what areas do you all cover? How far out do your services reach? It's pretty much um, like in the Bowman area, we go the 60 mile radius is our zone, but we also have um, uh, um, office in Jasper. Um, we have one in Houston and Baytown in Austin, uh, Chicago, Vegas. I mean, we're we're scattered everywhere. Yes, <laughs> so, you are. Yeah. So every, so every location offers all the same services. Yes. Okay. So no matter where you reside, you can call Harbor Hospice and we will get you place whatever's closest. But uh, in Bowman area, we're uh, 60 mile out radius, but then we have the Jasper location that'll pick up, um, catch those other surrounding areas. Well, that's I think that's going to wrap it up, Terry and Kimberly. <laughs> we thank you so All much right. for answering well, I appreciate you, Kim. Yeah, giving thank us you. some Thanks for inviting me important information girl oh i need yeah. that yeah i you know i, I read a lot about what they call an avid reader and, avid reader. Uh, yeah I'm, i read all night all day long and i you know i don't know everything okay and i and i, I that was something that i need to know yes. what and how to prepare for it that if it happens to come to that to it not just me but anybody right that's very informative thank you so well, much thank Kimberly. you for having me and thank you, Terry. Oh man, I'm, uh, I'm glad. Francis and Chris. Good and to be here. I apologize, y'all, for being late. I just got off the highway, by the way. Oh, well done. We understand. Glad you're that. back, Chris. Glad you're back. Glad you're back, son. Back you're back. back. <laughs> hey, on, uh, on, I need to let you know. On, uh, let's see, I think, yeah, Tuesday, our podcast will, will be LaDonna Sherwood, which is our uh, co host. She's going to be with Bobby Patterson with the uh, uh, 100 plus Black Women Coalition of Beaumont Inc. They're going to be with us on Tuesday at 7 on Now This Is Power Podcast Live. So, with that said, I've got one more comment. Let's see what the comments are. Oh, the comments are telling. All the comments are telling. Thank you for everything. Um, uh, big shout out to Brenda uh, Blood Fosters. She's saying thanks, thanks, uh, Kim. We all, we all, we all, we all need this information, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, not just the elderly. 
It might be your sister, your brother, your nephew. We need to know. Thank you so much, yeah. Kim. I enjoyed Welcome. the show. And uh, we'll see you guys back on Tuesday at 7 o'clock on Knowledge is Power Podcast. Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages.